Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. As you are making your way um, back to your seats and getting situated... If you've been following along, we're continuing in our series, Walking Through the Gospel of Mark. Uh, And Mark, through his words and his gospel, uh, he emphasizes the importance of not only the gospel, uh, but as we talked about last week, he emphasizes the importance of just teaching uh, the truthful word of God. And just a quick question here, um, because... Most of us have had some level of school, up, down, whatever, college, high school, whatever, but did anyone have a favorite teacher in school? Yeah. Did anyone have a favorite topic in school? Yeah, lots of people, other than Jim. Okay, yeah, okay, because, right, you know, whatever. Yeah, so here's the thing. Um, your favorite teacher probably, can't speak for everyone, Uh, Maybe they were your favorite teacher because of the way that they taught a subject that you enjoyed, right? So there's this subject that like, maybe you thought this is a great subject, I enjoy it, and that teacher did justice to that topic. I mean, they, they, they encouraged you even more, they taught it great, and so they became your favorite teacher. Or in some cases, there's, you enjoyed the subject because of how the teacher taught it. Like, you didn't have a, a affinity for that subject before, but once this teacher started explaining it and rolling it out, uh, then you're like, oh, wow, this is a great topic. I love it. There's a lot of people who ended up finding their careers because of a really good teacher. Because a really good teacher can inspire a passion for a particular subject, right? There's teachers who've inspired people to engineers, art, science, math, music, whatever it is. Um, the only reason I love the Word of God so much is because I had a really good pastor who took the time to explain it. And I'm like, wait a second, is that really in here what you're saying? And he's like, yeah, this is in the Word of God. And I'm like, never heard that before. And then found a podcast for another pastor whose church Christian and I attended for a little bit. Um, where he just took the time to go in detail about the history and the context and the language, but not in a boring way. But in a way that was like, wow, that's why this makes sense to me. And that inspired my passion for it. But here's the thing. Just like a good teacher can inspire a passion for a subject, a bad teacher can create hatred for a subject. Right? Some of the subjects that we hated weren't because the subject sucked. It's because the teacher sucked. No offense to any teachers out there, but not all teachers are meant to be teachers. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Right? But here's the thing, Jesus was a really good teacher. Not only was he God in the flesh, uh, like we talked about last week, he was a really good teacher. He took the time to explain things. And if you look, in the Gospel of Mark, the word teacher, teacher or teaching, is used 45 times, which doesn't sound like a lot. It's only 16 chapters. It's used 45 times in the Gospel of Matthew, which is 28 chapters, almost twice as many. So, Mark, when he wrote his book, focused on 
how important teaching was. And half the time, over half the time actually, that he used it, he was referring to the teachings of Jesus or how Jesus taught or the way that Jesus taught, right? Because that's what he wanted to focus on. That's what he deemed uh, was important. Now, Jesus didn't just teach parables. He also took real-life situations and used them to say, hey, this is how this applies to your life, or here's this spiritual truth, because we said last week that's what a a parable is, where uh, Jesus would hold up this spiritual truth and then come up with this situation that applied to the lives of the people he was talking about. And that's why over and over he says the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, because he's making it relevant to them. So if you have a Bible, open it up to uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, right? And we're going to jump through a couple of chapters today really, really quick um, that, again, emphasize how important the teachings of Jesus were, not just to us, to the disciples, and to people today. So we're going to start at, like, the latter part of verse 6, right, which says this. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. That word teaching, and I think I said this before, uh, is a word that's translated into the English word doctrine. He didn't just teach, here's how you do this. He taught, here's the doctrines, here's the theological concepts related to the kingdom of God, right? And he went from village to village teaching that. And then he called the 12 to him. He sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. That word authority is like permission, because we as humans don't have permission over evil spirits. God does, because we talked about last week how he's sovereign over the spiritual world. And these were his instructions. Now, these instructions are to them. They're not to us. right? He said, take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belt. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. And whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. Now, a lot of people look at this and say, well, this is the way we're supposed to do mission trips, and we're not. That's not what Jesus is saying. He isn't saying, hey, if you're going to go share the gospel, if I'm going to go to Beth's house, and she's never heard the gospel, then I'm not supposed to take anything and I'm supposed to wear flip-flops or sandals. And if Beth and her husband are like, that's okay, we, we don't want to hear any more of this, I'm not supposed to like, I'm done. That, that, that's not the way it works. Uh, there's actually a thing um, in the Bible, those are really dirty flip-flops, um, there's actually a thing uh, in the Bible, right, and it's called description versus prescription, Description is where the Bible describes the scenario that happened, but it's not a prescription for what we're supposed to do. It's not instructions for us. It's just describing what happened. When God parted the Red Sea and and, and Moses and the uh, Israelites went across on dry land, that's not a prescription for how we're supposed to cross a sea or a river. You can stand there all day. God's not going to part it for you. But there are things that are a prescription, like here's the prescription for how we are supposed to do things, right? So when uh, Jesus gives these instructions to his disciples, it's for them, not for us. Then in verse 12, they went out, the disciples or the apostles, and they preached, that word means to proclaim, that people should repent. 
They drove out demons, anointed many sick people with oil, and they heard them. And then the next couple of verses talk about how John the Baptist died, but drop down to verse 30, right? Because this picks up on what happened to the apostles. In verse 30, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and all they had taught. That word taught is the past tense word of the same doctrinal word that Jesus did. Jesus taught them doctrine. They went out and they went to people's homes. They went into the villages and they shared the doctrine. They shared the truths of God's word with them. As a result, this is what happened. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he, meaning Jesus, said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. There were so many people coming and going because they went out and shared the truth, right? Previously, Jesus would go out and he would share it. Now he sent them out to do it. And whenever Jesus would share the truth, there were large crowds. We read that over and over. But now there were so many people coming and going that Jesus was like, hey, you guys need to get some rest because you can't handle this kind of crowds. And we know that the people came because of them because the next verse says, so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all of the towns and got there ahead of them. Before they would recognize Jesus because he was the only one going out, going into towns and villages and sharing the truth. Now he sent out the apostles. And the people were like, wait, isn't that, isn't that Gary? Wasn't he just downtown sharing the truth with somebody? Isn't that, you know, Brandon? Wasn't he over at so-and-so's house? And there was a group over there and they were having a barbecue. But he was talking about the goodness of God. And all of these people recognized them. And so they ran on foot to get there ahead of them. Verse 34, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began, again, teaching them, same word, uh, doctrine. So all these people gathered. And the next thing that we're going to read is about the uh, feeding of the 5,000. How many people are familiar with that? Yeah, where where Jesus does this miracle and he feeds 5,000 people. Here's the thing. He also uses that as a teaching lesson for the apostles and the disciples. But here's the other thing. The only reason those 5,000 people gathered wasn't just to see Jesus. The only reason they gathered is because the apostles went out into the towns, into the villages, and into their homes and shared biblical truth with them. And they were so inspired by it that they were like, hey, they're gathering again. Let's go hear some more. And when they gathered, Jesus looked and said, hey, they are so hungry for the word that he shared, again, he taught them biblical truth. And then they were actually physically hungry, uh, so he fed all of them, all 5,000. Now, turn over to chapter 7, verse 1, and you're going to see the difference in the teachings. Because in chapter 7, verse 1, it says, the Pharisees... And some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus. Now, this is a different word than the word that Mark was typically using for the teachings of Jesus. Some of the Bibles that you have, instead of teachers of the law, it may use the word scribes. Because this is an actual Greek word. I think it's grammatusi. I'm probably mispronouncing it. But it's from the same root word where we get the word grammar, 
because these were scribes. These weren't people who were teaching the foundational truths and doctrine of God's word. These were people who their job was to look and say, over here, it says the king was greatly distressed. When I put this into the next Bible that's going to be printed up, I have to write it word for word, the king was greatly distressed. If I put the king was distressed, that's not correct. We've got to start over. So they weren't teaching doctrine. They were scribes who just knew the words. They didn't know the doctrines of God. They just knew the words that were in the Bible. They didn't understand the spiritual truths that God wanted communicated. They just knew the words. Right? So the Pharisees, some of the teachers of the law, or the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing. Now, this, this had nothing to do with cleanliness. Okay? That's not what this is about. This wasn't like your kid comes running in after playing outside in the mud on a rainy day, right? He takes off his dirty shoes, digs up his nose, and then reaches his hand into your bowl of potato chips can. Can I have some, Mom? That's not what this was about. This wasn't about do they like clean and, and, you know, bacteria and use the hand wipes and all that stuff. There was a process that they created where before you ate, you would sit down and you would just dip your hands in the water and let it drip so all could see as evidence that you were ceremonially clean or declared right in the eyes of God, which that didn't work. You weren't. Right, So um, the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they gave their hands a ceremonial washing. And here's why. They were holding to the traditions of the elders. This wasn't what the law of God required. This is what the people required. When they came from the marketplace, they don't eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the traditions of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands. I want to read this to you again in the way that Jesus probably heard this. Okay, These were men asking God, why don't your disciples, God, live like us instead of like you have told them to do? Because that was literally what was happening. They were questioning God. And that's the whole problem that we have in the church today, right? Uh, the whole issue is that there are traditions in the culture that conflict with the word of God. And there are whole groups of people who claim, hey, we're Christians, but we need to follow the traditions of the culture even though they conflict with the word of God. And some of them are, are, are minor things that don't matter, but some of them are big, like, hey, the whole issue of Abortion. Here's what the culture says. Here's what the Word of God says. The whole issue of sexuality. Here's what the culture says. Here's what the Word of God says. The whole issue of racism. Here's what the culture says. Here's what the Word of God says. And one of the problems is some of the people who are saying, here's what the Word of God says, are the people who don't know the doctrines and traditions. They just know the words and verses like the scribes. And so what they've said is, hey, Here's what the culture says. It's the same thing the word of God says, and it's not. And so people are being misled. All right? So uh, here's Jesus' response in verse 6. He replied, Isaiah 
was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips. And that, if you were talking to us today, you guys say you're Christians, you say you're Christ followers, but your hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain and their teachings, and that is the, that is the word doctrines, their doctrines, the teachings are but rules taught by men. They're not the word of God. They're just the words of men. And he said, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. Drop down to verse 13. He gives an example, and then in verse 13 he says, thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many things like that. So then Jesus called the crowd, and he said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this, and this is important. He said nothing. Underline that word in your Bible. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. Now, again, that word unclean means defiled or polluted or unholy or unrighteous in the sight of God. And thank you, Jesus. He said, there is nothing that we can eat that makes us unholy or, 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 or defiled or polluted in the sight of God. So uh, I, I know there are whole groups of people that are still like, yeah, yeah, even if you're a Christian, we still can't eat pork today. You know what? I'm going to eat the pork, the snout, the whole pig, because it's not going to make me unrighteous. There is nothing that can make us unrighteous in the sight of God. But Jesus goes on and says, it's not what you put into you that makes you unrighteous in the sight of God. It's what comes out of you. The words we use to tear down other people, the words we use to criticize and judge other people. When we, when we tear down people because of their race or because of their culture or because of their difference or because of their politics and we curse people out and we hate people, those are the things where God looks and says, I, that's not for me. I don't want any part of that. That's not my righteousness. Those are the things where, where God specifically looks and says, hey, I want no part of that. Now, jump over to verse, chapter 8, verse 27. Because this is one of the most important teachings that Jesus spent time on explaining to his people. In verse 27, says, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked them this, who do people say I am? This is one of his most important teachings. This is a question that every person, whether they believe in God or not, has to answer. Who is Jesus to you? Now he's asking them this, and they were exposed to his teaching for possibly, I think it was like 12 to 18 months. He sent them out to go share and show the love of Christ to people in their communities and in the villages. And then he asked them, now, who do people say that I am? And they replied, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say that you're Elijah. Still others say that you're one of the prophets. And he says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you are the Christ. That word Christ means the Messiah Uh, That's the Hebrew word Messiah. The Greek word is Christ, the anointed one, the one who God chose to save humanity. And Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. And here's the key. He then began to start teaching them this doctrine that we call substitutionary atonement. Because he began to teach them that the Son of Man, that's Jesus, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders chief priests and teachers of the law, 
and that he must be killed, and after three days that he has to raise again. This is the most important thing. He began teaching them that, hey, that thing that you've been going out and telling people about the kingdom of God, it's going to happen now. Because even though their sins separate them from God, I'm going to die and pay the penalty for all of their sins. And he began, again, that word teaching, and it's the word doctrine again, began teaching them to understand that, yes, he was going to die for the sins of humanity, but then he was going to rise from the grave to prove that all of humanity's sins were paid for. And he left them with the question that everyone today needs to answer, right? He, asked, he, he left them with the question of who is Jesus? And that's what we all have to look at. Who is Jesus to us? And I know there's a lot of religions that say uh, Jesus never existed, right? A lot of atheists say he never existed. There's really no room for that because history shows that he does. Outside of even the Bible, there are historical references to this man Jesus and the claims that he made, whether or not you believe him. So that doesn't ride. There are whole uh, denominations that are, or not denominations, other religions that say, well, yeah, Jesus existed, but he was just a good teacher. He was just another prophet. But Jesus himself doesn't leave room for that because if he was a good teacher, then you should do what he said. And then the very next verse is he said, pick up your cross and follow me. So if they're not following him, they don't believe he was a really good teacher. But as Peter said, if he's the Messiah, if he's the one that, 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 that God had chosen to pay the penalty for our sins... Then the next question we ask is, well, what did he teach? And do I need to follow that? And this is where we get all of the differences in all of the denominations, ones that say you have to baptize this way, ones that say you have to baptize that way. But here's the thing. Everything that Jesus taught was what God wanted revealed to humanity. And it's not a list of thou shalt nots, like what all the Jews had, and it's not a bunch of traditions. And Jesus said himself, everything that he taught could be summed up in two things. Just love God and love others. Our whole world, everywhere in our community, would be a much better place if all the Christians did was just love God and love others. If all we did, instead of tearing down, hey, there's this thing going on in Asbury, Kentucky and criticizing it and judging it and just say, hey, you know what? Those are people who are worshiping God. Good for them. I'm going to love God and I'm going to love them. If all we did was focus all the energy that we put into so much hating on other people into just loving God and loving others, not only would the world be a different place, people would have a different understanding of who God is and what Christianity is about. And this is the final question is, if we believe Jesus is who he said he is, and we actually accept his teachings to love God and love others, will we go tell others? Because uh, Matthew records at the end of Matthew, and we've been over this a couple of times, where he said, this is the Amplified Version, he, meaning Jesus, said to them, go into all the world and preach and publish openly the good news, the gospel, to every creature of the whole human race. Did he said go? It, 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 nowhere does he say go and publish to people that like you can't wear hats in church, 
book publisher people. Uh, how many people remember this? This might be before many of our time. If this is in your time, I'm not saying you're old, but it was a while ago. When, when you came into the church, uh, they used to... I, I, I've only met one person who said he was actually a part of a church that did this, where they used to measure the skirts of the women because if they were too short, they wouldn't let them in. Don't raise your hand if you remember that because that, that's not cool. But that's the kind of thing that they taught. And that's that tradition of men... Because nowhere in the Bible does it say that, versus the Word of God. What God tells us to do is just go share the gospel with people all over the world. I'm going to ask you guys to stand, and uh, we're going to close out with a time of prayer. I was going to have us sing, but I'm going to have us close out with a time of prayer. Because these are the questions that, here's the thing, these are the questions that people are still asking today even though many of us may have this settled in our hearts. And if we're someone who doesn't, these are the questions we need to ask ourselves. Who is Jesus? What did he teach? And if we believe he is who he said he was, I had this discussion today. I didn't mean to ask you guys to stand and then keep rambling, but I had this discussion uh, today and it started yesterday with someone. Actually, I'm going to be honest. I have discussions like this every single day of my life. Every single day, because people have, you know, they want to know stuff. And I had someone ask me, is Jesus really God? And I was like, yeah, he was really God. And they're like, well, how can he be God? Not my job to figure out. I know that in his word, it said, you know, Jesus was the word. The word became flesh and the word was God. And he's like, well, I don't know if that's true. And I'm like, you know, when I hold what you believe up with what the Bible believes... I'm going to go with the Bible every single time. So if we believe Jesus is who he was, he said he was, do we accept what he taught, which is to love God and to love others? And will we do what he asked us to do, which is to go out and tell others? I'm going to ask you guys to bow your head. God, we thank you so much that we had the time to gather this morning. And we are grateful that there are people in Asbury, Kentucky, who are coming, repenting of their sins, seeking you and worshiping you as Lord. We pray that, as we said earlier, not just there, but in every house of worship, that people would be addressing who is your son Jesus, what did he teach, and if they accept that he is God in the flesh, that he lived a sinless life and then gave his life on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, We pray that we would go and tell others about it. We pray that you would put it in our hearts to tell others about it. We pray that you would guide us and lead us as we tell others about it. And we pray that as we do, that our communities, our homes, and our schools would be changed. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. 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 Uh, Thank you, guys. Pray that you have an awesome uh, rest of your Sunday. Um, Oh, excuse me. I totally forgot this before I forget. Lent is coming up. So on the back table, there are some booklets uh, with some Lent verses, kind of like a daily verse to read every day through Lent. Uh, Some of them are just this page with the verses. Some of them, since all of the verses are out of the Gospels, have some information about the Gospels. They're on a back table. Feel free to help yourself. And now, God bless. and pray that you have an awesome rest of your Sunday. 
We hope you enjoyed the message. If you did, please leave a comment on our webpage, crossroadsofjeffersonhills.com, or our Facebook page. You can also join our Sunday celebration every Sunday at 1037 a.m. We look forward to hearing from you online or in person. Thank you and God bless.